As an industry, we've made it our business to learn about games, how they work, about their resonance and their successes or failures, but there's a human side to the industry as well. My name is Paul James and welcome to Dev Diary, a series that explores and celebrates the incredible feats of the people behind the games as we dive into their stories, the highs, the lows and everywhere in between. In this episode, I'm joined by Nok Vu, current lead artist at Route 59 Games, so join us as we explore our journey. So today I'm joined by Nock. How are you? Hi. <laughs> uh, really well. Uh, welcome aboard the show and uh, thank you for giving me your time coming aboard in the first place. Yeah, no worries. Um, don't really have that much to do on Necrobrista, so I thought I might uh, chuck in a little promo um, yeah, and tell everyone all about you know what I do for yeah. Night. Spruik your story, share what you've been up to. It's um, it's a really cool story, and we're going to dive into it shortly because this is Dev Diary series where we talk to developers from throughout the industry. They share their stories, their experiences, and basically everything that's led to this point in their career. Now, you've worked on a few different titles in various different capacities uh, so far, but before we get to your actual work in development, I wanted to rewind way back to your first gaming experiences. Do you remember what the first game was that you'd ever played? Um, I remember way, way back when I was about, I think I was seven or eight, um, yep. I was at my relative's house. They had um, a sweet Nintendo 64 that they just bought. Um, Good start. Yeah. They had like Mario, um, Mario Kart and um, the Legend of Zelda, like... Um, oh, Ocarina of Time. Yeah, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. It's very... Um, I guess that was kind of like my first taste into games, kind of diving into my uncle's game saves because they'd be like 100% complete, just sort of messing around um, with all the levels that he unlocked and all that. So I guess that's my first experience, kind of. I mean, to, to, to get on with those games, like that's that's a perfect place to start your experiences with games. So well, you've done very, very well there. I mean, obviously everyone still talks about Ocarina of Time as being the greatest, if not the uh, one of the greatest games of all time. And that was one of the first games you ever got to play. That's that's an awesome place to start. Must set your expectations a little bit higher for what's to come though. Uh, nah, you know, um, I always kind of saw games as uh, just a really good time filler. Um, so oh, yeah. my, both my parents... Um, we're working parents, and so a lot of the time was kind of spent uh, noodling around on, on the computer, and um, most of the time it was like playing Tetris and Minesweeper and those old, like, Microsoft. Yeah, I know the ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And good um, times there too, I might add. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I, I always, um, I, I guess I was introduced to, you know, all these types of, of games and um, I guess the flavours of them i guess you could have like adventure games or you could have like um text-based games um as well as you know even just really short um replayable um type games like yeah my pizza pinball yeah the the versatility in gaming is it's kind of crazy really and it's just something you can't get in any other medium was there a was there a franchise or even just a, a particular game at all that you identify that really 
helped guide you towards games as either just a consumer and you know i, I want to spend more time playing these or or even potentially uh, steered you towards hey i want to maybe want to get involved in the creation of them was there a pivotal game at all or franchise um, yeah so i guess i really do love nintendo's games um so um i think one of the pivotal moments was playing um fire emblem um the flaming sword on game oh Play. yes yeah and i sort of went through the tutorial and i was like oh okay that's the, the game's finished let the credits roll and like, like it just opened up a whole new quest line and i was just like there's more to it and i was just like blown away by that fact revelatory um, moment same, yeah the same thing happened with um ocarina of time as well like i would collect the, the three stones at the beginning and i'd be like okay that's the game finished and then it would sort of open up like, it just keeps going yeah yeah and so i just really enjoyed like that exploratory like mind-blowing moment playing like oh just like there's so much more to it and um i guess that was kind of i guess the spark that kind of drove me towards wanting to create these experiences um, which is fascinating uh, because obviously yeah. you know something like ocarina is also one of the very first games you played so not only did it spark that interest in just simply playing and consuming but also yeah. the the prospect of actually being involved in the creation so that's that's quite yeah. cool yeah at the beginning um you know just noodling with my my uncle save I, I kind of didn't know what was going on but it was in my teenage years um that was kind of when i revisited um the ocarina time and i was just I was like, oh, I understand the story now. <laughs> um, I can sort of like piece together, and I have like this agency to complete you know, this quest. Yeah, it was yeah, super super cool um, to have that experience. Now, from that point, your career or your your pathway towards uh, game development wasn't just okay. I want to get into games. Bang, I'm in games. Uh, I've I was you know, trawling around the internet doing doing my due diligence and a bit of research and I noticed things like uh, Maya I noticed Boost Juice I noticed uh, Barista and sa- Sandwich Hands there's Cashiers uh, this is all on top of the fact that you were doing a Bachelor of Design in games at RMIT but you obviously dabbled in several other professions and usually the sort I'd imagine that are just to to help you get by to pay the bills to to ensure that uh, no one comes knocking for money any of those sorts of things but um, what what was that phase like as you were as you were completing your study and just trying to get through essentially? Um, I, I guess I I don't quite particularly have very fond memories of customer service work, but um, it you know it was actually quite fun um, uh, working at Maya and like these spaces where you could kind of explore um, rather than like stall. Um, yes. And I found it quite interesting, you know, um, thinking about people's needs and uh, kind of just daydreaming on the job, uh, wondering, you know, how their day was been before, you know. Creating um, your own stories around around their day. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and that sort of just kept my creative drive going. Um, and it kind of led to the sort of work that I did with um, Necrobrusa in creating um, characters, you know, it, it's just something that I was passionate about. Um, oh, fantastic. Yeah, creating believable um, characters that people could relate to and people could also kind of um, dream about, um, you know, it's like what, what happens when they're outside the cafe? What are they doing? And, yeah. 
Yeah, because there's obviously so much more to people's day than that than that little uh, isolated period of time where you may or may not interact with them. There's there's a lead up, there's a, a follow up, there's all these things, and to be able to kind of portray those stories in some ways really fascinating. And obviously, we'll we'll dive into into uh, Necrobista in a little bit more detail shortly. Um, but as you started to find your way into the industry i have things like uh girls make games listed there which obviously you're working with primary school students in that capacity and we mentioned before we uh, before we started recording as a as a teacher myself that uh just prompts a little bit more interest what, what was that experience like for you especially i mean i teach secondary you're talking about primary school students here uh how young were we talking about um so we had children from um roughly six to all right about, yeah 11 12 um and I kind of was really interested in, in participating in that because it was something that I've always wanted to um, have that experience when I was a kid. Um, I had a small experience, I guess, making like a, a short film, but it was just like like super micro. It wasn't necessarily interactive. Yeah. But, you know, being able to um, work with girls' imaginations um, with their with their game ideas and being able to assist them in, in fostering that um passion for um game dev was just yeah it, it was just something that i wanted to pay forward yeah that, that that's fantastic i mean it sounds like the way you're describing your experiences personally it sounds like it was the generic and probably similar to myself the generic this is just part of the curriculum and this is this is what you'll do and you'll dabble in this and then we move on to another another piece of software or something like that is that about right uh yeah that was, was a bit more to right. it than that um, I guess in, in high school, I was kind of introduced to a laptop program that kind of um, tunneled me into learning about programs um, like Photoshop and um, all these like animation programs and 3D software as well. Um, yeah, I would say, you know, having access um, accessibility to that kind of thing, um, I, I'm, probably, I'm really grateful for um, that opportunity. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, glad to hear it. Um, so you you did a little bit of freelance art. You've and then um, what what really intrigues me is how that opportunity first emerged. How did you how did you finally successfully I might add make that first step into the gaming industry? Where where did Route Fifty Nine Games come into it? Uh, how did Necro Barista start to form? Because obviously, I mean that's a that's a fairly fresh release as of when we record as of when we record this episode here. So anyone who's not played it. It's certainly worth investigating on a few different platforms now, and we'll talk a bit more again about that shortly. But uh, how did that opportunity first emerge? Um, so I've always been super interested in, in the game sphere. Um, games have always been something of like a mystery, and I kind of wanted to be able to kind of lift the curtain a bit and figure out like who, who makes these games, like who makes them here. Um, and so um, how it all started was I was doing a bachelor of design. Um, at RIP, and it was, I, I guess, in talking to the um, older students as well as the lecturers, it was like really drummed into um, our cohort that we would um, network. And so yeah. that was, I guess, the age where Facebook was kind of like taking off. Um, and so um, that was kind of what the first port of call for me. Um, and I found the um, International Game Developers Association. Um, the Melbourne chapter on Facebook. Yes. And I sort of joined that group and um, I, I kind of lurked there for a while just to kind of get the vibe. Um, oh, you but, start to work out who's prominent and who's not and who you need to yeah. tail onto, all those sorts of things. Just 
kind of the etiquette. Um, so I, I wouldn't be too green in, in doing my posts. But yeah, just um, going to the actual meetups as well. Um, so there's a monthly meetup that happens. Um, and just, you know, just, um, just asking questions um, for people who are showing demos. And yeah, just being really active in a community like that um, was probably where I first got um, most of my games opportunity. So, so yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, you mentioned there's a bit of lurking and you're chatting to people and there's, there's some mingling and those sort of things. People start to get to know you a little bit, but uh, how did you then actually manage to go from being on the periphery, I guess, and, you know, someone we know to someone that we, we, we want to bring into the team and, you know, how, how did that actually happen? Um, being able to openly share what you're interested in um, and being able to be really proactive um, in... I guess following people's projects and also posting some of your work up um, in the in those communities, just showing you know like oh he's Lilette, he's um you know a little um I guess preview of what I can do when yeah um, so they're just like miniature portfolios essentially yeah um, and you know just being able to showcase and um, clearly communicate what you're interested in um, and so what I was particularly interested in was like um, anime style games and that's kind of how I got looped into like um, with Route 59 because um, our director he wanted to create um, the new a newer type of visual novel and since visual novels you know sort of come from um, Japanese games it's like oh, like perfect fit yeah, you'd be super sweet to work with. And I was like, all right, great. I'm working at a department store. It kind of sounds sweet to be working on an anime game. So I'll just, I'll just go, and go in, um, we'll have a chat. And it kind of snowballed from there. Um, but I always made it a point to give 100%, um, whatever the task was. So does that mean that you basically just dropped Maya instantly? Like as soon as soon as that opportunity, just boom, see, see you guys, that's it, I quit. No, like was it was it just all in? I mean, you just mentioned obviously you give everything 100%. Does that mean you were just yeah. completely in 100%? You just leave everything behind and I'm going to, you know, get a bit of tunnel vision here and focus completely on this this potential career here um, and really take the bull by the horns, I guess, for a better phrase? It was, it was a bit of a slow burn. Um, it wasn't necessarily like, I'll drop Maya. It was mostly um, just clearly annotating my ideas, um, creating like concept sheets, but also um, providing documentation about where this particular idea came from. So um, providing mood boards and um, I, I guess like putting little notes about why why you sort of added this in. Um, and yeah, that, that's what I mean by like a hundred percent, like yep. being one hundred percent like clear, um, kind of delving into you know this particular idea or particular research um, that you deem is like necessarily why. Um, yeah, but you know, I, I still kind of had to eat before uh, <laughs> before we wanted to apply for funding. So um, I think as soon as we you were able to yeah as soon as we were um it, it started getting hard you know waking up mornings and um doing game dev late um that was kind of the cut off point um 
when I went full time. So it's a good thing the funding came in when it did, and that uh, helped provide a little bit of stability. Yeah, lucky for that. Um, and it must be quite humbling too. I mean, it's it's not it's not an easy thing to be able to get uh, funding like that. Um, now, Film Victoria does a fantastic job in a whole host of different ways, um, but it's still like we, we've got a lot of aspiring developers in the the local scene, and there's still only so much money to go around. So it must be, you know, quite an honor and really quite humbling to actually be fortunate enough to get that. Now you have an incredible um, art style in the game. We, um, uh, you know, personally my experience with it and it really, and you spoke about some of the origins there as well. Game looks, it looks sensational, but to, to look great is still only half the, half the actual piece of the puzzle here. There's, there's more to it than just that. And to be able to tick all those boxes and speak to film, film Victoria in such a way, it's fantastic. It's a great accomplishment and must have been very humbling when that money or that offer essentially first came through. I can only I credit um, our director, Trevin, for that. Um, he's, he basically uh, put his all in for our funding application um, and also uh, actually did a lot of consulting with um, the game dev community um, in, in terms of funding um, for, for this project. So it really is a game dev for us. And from my experience, it really is a team effort. Yeah. Um, you kind of just um, be extremely communicative, but also um, kind of pull, pull your weight um, for whatever's needed. Um, yeah, and it's kind of the experience um, I've had so far, you know, doing initially doing concept art and then dropping um, to do 3D animation and then uh, assisting with um, facial rigging and QA and yeah, whatever it takes um, to to get whatever to to get your passion project out um, for me was yeah kind of the drive why I was doing um, why I wanted to create this game so yeah. Yeah, no, that, that that's fantastic. Now the game itself, we've obviously we've we've spoken a lot about uh, your journey up to this point, but then there's the game itself. Where did the inspiration uh, as a well, I'm just slightly outside of Metro Melbourne myself, um, but I know the city very very well. Uh, what was the what was the inspiration? How how did you and the team land on? Okay, we're gonna we're gonna center this thing in our backyard here, um, and then obviously take some liberties with it, of course. But uh, how did that idea first emerge for um, what ultimately so, became Necrobarista? Yeah, so uh, the team had done a lot of research on um, English language visual novels, and we kind of noticed that there was a trend of um, kind of um, using Oriental themes inside of, of their games and having, like, I guess, a fantasy structure where it's like, kind of like a mishmash of East and West. Um, so uh, I guess for us... Um, we were kind of discussing it and we were just going like, oh, like, well, why can't we just be authentic? Um, well, you know, we have, you know, all of this, um, uh, I guess, inspiration around us for yeah. um, for Melbourne. And it just seems like all of the other medium uh, media that we've consumed about Melbourne and Australia is just kind of like really... One cliche. note. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's all really like rural and um, everyone speaks like with a terrible accent. Um, yeah, for us, I agree. Like, yeah, having a space that's urbanized and it, it doesn't seem so bad. Um, and as for the location, the cafe, um, 
it was more so of a production note. It was like, well, we have three people on our team so far. We can only make so much. Um, so yeah, that makes sense. Well center it around building. Just the the constraints of development, I guess. Yeah, and so we just we thought a cafe is you know small enough um, to kind of propagate um, and populate. Um, but it also is a huge part of Melbourne's like culture. Identity, and, yeah. Yeah. And so we were like, oh, okay, bang on, let's let's go. Um, and so just ran with it. Well, no, I mean, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Like, like I said, I'm not a I'm not a Melbourne Metro person, but I'm only 45 minutes up the road, and almost you know, it's guaranteed that when my wife and I come in, or sometimes even if I'm on my own, it's okay. Th- there's got to be a stop at a, a at a cafe of some sort, or a but like, and there's just little nooks, and obviously some of the lame ways, and like, and what was rendered on the screen, obviously with a a, a certain style laid on top of that, but it really looked and felt and sounded Melbourne, and. I guess then I pick up some little extra references and those sort of things that you can only really know if if you you live in the city or are close enough to it that you understand some of the references. But uh, it it was wonderful in that respect. I loved every bit of it. It was just so funny having comments um, from people going um, and reacting to um, the character Ned. It, it, they would just throw out all of these other characters um, like command the video and you know buckethead and it was just like oh like this is a character that i've sort of grown up with so it's like it just seemed like really strange to me it's like oh like i've seen like sydney nolan's works and it's like yeah very iconic you know black rectangle with like a little like yeah. eye window and so yeah it's just being able to communicate that and also just uh interact with um people from other cultures reacting to your work is just like I know it's something that I, I really enjoy and really take pride in, and uh, yeah. Yeah, I'd imagine that'd be super exciting. Uh, is there is there a temptation without spilling the beans ultimately on what's next? Of course, I, I don't want to go putting you in that sort of position. But is there is there a temptation to 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 keep to Melbourne? Now, I'm not saying a Necrobarista sequel necessarily, but whatever comes next, is the temptation still there? To okay, let's explore more of Melbourne. This we've, what we've done here has worked. How how wide can we go? Do we do we keep it something small and contained, or do we maybe explore? I mean, given what we've discussed before, maybe we don't explore rural Victoria. But um, is there a temptation Um, to spend more time in the city? Um, I'm I'm really an advocate of people telling their own stories, and so there was a discussion that um, whether we wanted to add more um, indigenous um, themes to the game, but thing is like we thought um there's like a a taboo um reason why you know indigenous um figures aren't aren't shown when when they've died on screen so we're just like no um that doesn't seem right and um i you know we came in from like an authentic point of view this is sort of what we grew up with and you know what we live in um it right now it's not necessarily on on the pictures, we're, I think we're more leaning perhaps more into a more fantasy sort of scope. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so um, it'd be nice to kind of just make space for the, um, the game devs um, who are currently um, uh, creating games about um, Australia and Melbourne to kind of, yeah, you know, if, if they are if they live in rural Victoria and they want to make a game about, you know... Um, then do it. 
Yeah, for sure. Go ahead. Um, yeah, do what inspires you. Yeah, yeah. So um, at the moment, uh, at the moment we're working on DLC right now. So um, yeah, and that's definitely one to look forward to. So uh, certainly, I'm really, really quite keen on that. So. As well as your work with uh, Route 59, you also did a little bit of contract art with Samurai Punk, so another another local team. Uh, what was that like working on the American Dream? Because obviously the the nature of the title, a, a VR title compared to what ultimately came out uh, with Necrobriest and the gameplay styles, and all, like they're, they're very different in a lot of different ways. What was that like transitioning your your approach that you kind of established and helping merge that and interact with what? the team over at Samurai Punk had in mind? Um, so, uh, Samurai Punk, I've known the guys at Samurai Punk for, for a long time. Uh, we actually met as um, students working um, in separate projects for a game jam. Um, and so we were like the same age and it, it was like both our first game jam. So naturally, you know, it's like, oh, like, what are you working on? Um, and then- um, Dan Draper guess, and co. Yeah, I guess, um, uh, they were looking for artists and they kind of just um, reached out and were like, oh, like, you know, you've done like some of this stuff, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, for like student work. And they were like, oh, we'll send you an art test. And so um, uh, did that art test, kind of like worked with um, the American retro flair. Um, also doing a few gun puns, so that was fun. Oh, they, they, they went down very, very well. So that worked well. Yeah, um, it just gave me uh, uh, more familiarity with um, how Unity projects are structured in a commercial sense. Yeah. Um, so not necessarily as like um, student projects and experimental pieces, but something that is like part of a um, part of a system. And um, you know, how many hands um, or like how many. Um, people will this project go through and how the yeah, structure. And not to mention, obviously, you're working with a, a whole other group of people, so there's a whole bunch of different things you can learn from that just with their different experiences and their different approaches and styles and perspectives. So that would have been really valuable as well, I'm sure. Yeah, it got me really used to um, the game dev office environment. So um, it, it was a bit refreshing from um, Route 59's initial um initial start which was like remote work but once we transitioned to office work you know i was like okay like this is how um i used to do it so yeah and then we all went full circle again thanks to covid and we're back <laughs> <Yeah>. at home <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, you know like I i'm able to adapt quickly so i don't think it was too bad <laughs> well i mean and thankfully the the walls are starting to come down and things are starting to open up again so i'm sure it's nice and refreshing to get out a little bit again I'm pretty keen to go back <laughs> to the office. Um, so very recently, uh, and the thing that kind of helped uh, spur this conversation in the first place, uh, there was a recent AGDA win that you you and the team had. Wow. Uh, that would have yeah. been uh, quite a thrill, and we've obviously spoken about uh, kind of feeling pretty good about yourselves off the back of a uh, the financial support from Film Victoria, but that. But to then go on and uh, win awards for Necrobrista as well must have been really exciting and, and really validating in a lot of ways too. Yeah, so I guess our, our first win was um, for Free Play's Narrative Award, and that was all the way back in 2015. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, subsequently we got the Visual Art Award for, uh, I think it was 2019. 
Um, yep. And then to get the ATD8 for the 2020 was just like, um, I don't know, I'm still sort of um, uh, surprised and shocked by it. Pinching um, yourself a bit. I've seen I've seen mentors and people I've looked up to with the sword and, you know, just poor um, Nefavrit that had taken that title for especially a, a strange year. Um, is, yeah, just in, again, cr- incredibly humbling. Um, and I, I'm glad people can see and appreciate um, the work and consideration that we've put into Nefavrit's um, aesthetic. Must have been quite weird, though, uh, being the recipients of the award from your own desk at home. Oh, it was, it was great. I was on my couch, I had snacks. I didn't, have to, I didn't have to wear heels outside. It was great. Actually, um, so it sounds like it was perfect then, right? Oh, well, it was perfect. I did. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was just so good um, streaming it um, online. So, you know, I, I could see um, all my friends in the chat. Um, yeah. It's not often that you win prestigious awards from your couch, so <laughs> yeah. take that any day of the week. Uh, I, I'm, I'm glad to um, experience that in, in such a special year. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully at some point with uh, with future games, you do get to win some awards and actually get to be there in, in person to accept and, do, <laughs> and, and all that sort of thing. But uh, hope this might be a very unique uh, circumstance here, so... We'll yeah. see how that plays oh, out. He's hoping. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we're not doing this again in any way, shape, or form going forward. The trophy's still in bubble wrap somewhere. So. <laughs> okay, good. Um, so it it also must have been like really uh good a good feeling in terms of you know reward for effort because the the project had been in development since 2015. You obviously mentioned some little awards along the way, and maybe that even instilled a little bit of extra uh, external pressure potentially. Um, maybe no more pressure than you were putting on yourselves anyway to create the best product possible, but it must have been really fulfilling to have gotten to that finish line and to get that sort of recognition along the way. Yeah, um, I know like at some point you were just like ready to throw on the towel, but, um, you know, to be able to pull up our bootstraps, um, put a couple emails to our publisher for a little bit more money, Uh, I think it was all very, very worth it in the end. And it's something that um, I think past me would be like astounded by and forward by. And onwards and upwards from here too. (sighs) He's hoping. Which leads to kind of my last uh, main kind of points about the the games and the career a little bit itself. Uh, You obviously mentioned the DLC do we have any sort of rough ETA at all or? Yeah, so um, the DLC um, comes as a short story and a gallery. Um, So there'll be two uh, characters that you might have seen in the trailer. Um, They'll be making an appearance and you'll be able to know more um, about the story and their background. Um, And that comes out uh, late this year. So in the coming months, uh, be sure to check um, our Steam page. Uh, we'll be putting an announcement up there as well as on Twitter. One to look forward to. There's not that much time left in the year, so if you're really looking forward to this DLC, uh, you don't have that long to wait at the end of the day. Um, as we start to wind things up, uh, I'll just kind of cycle back a little bit more to you and and your time in the career so far. Is there is there anyone that you've worked with or maybe look at from a distance that really inspires you and the way you go about your work? Um, or even so, someone that's just said something 
that's I guess kind of been a little bit inspirational that's it's kind of stuck with you and helped guide your your approach to your work um so Ty from League of Geeks um has been a wonderful um mentor to me you know just someone I email on occasion um and a, a great art director that um I I do aspire to um be like I'm somebody who um enjoys um leading teams and being on the um, interpersonal side of things in games. Um, I want to be able to create a company that is able to bring more um, artists um, in Australia here. And yep. um, it's, a, it's a small community here, but um, it's Back growing. Yeah, it's something I'm, I'm actively working towards in, in any way I can. Be it, you know, Girls Make Games um, classes or, yeah, just any any event, you know, I, I can sort of grow and um, see uh, the future potential. No, good to hear. I mean, any anyone as as you mentioned, it, it still is a small scene. It's it's a growing scene. It's a, a rapidly growing scene, actually, especially in Victoria. But um, to try and you know establish yourself as a leader and a and a force for good, I mean, can't argue with that, really. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm I'm happy to be the recipient of um, Film Victoria's. Um, Women in Games Fellowship, so um, definitely um, aspiring students, I'd check out Film Victoria's page, um, as well as, you know, maybe um, your arts state, um, uh, your state government's arts funding team, see what's, what's out there, really. Um, who knows, who knows where we... Yeah, great. Uh, any really valuable lessons or experiences you've had along the way, things that have really stuck out at you and, yeah, maybe helped... Uh... I'm sure there's been some rough days through development over the journey and you know, you've maybe got these little nuggets of something really, really good to hold on to that help drive you and inspire you and keep you motivated. Any Anything like that from a, from the journey so far? Um, so seeing my cousins kind of grow up with games and their iPads um, and, you know, um, seeing them want to pursue um, art or, or programming um, has been, you know, a huge driving point uh, for me to keep keep going and um yeah it, it's kind of priceless you know um, seeing them grow from like um being toddlers to like kind of like realizing that you work in games is kind of it's kind of fun um and yeah um just um working with other um primary school students and, and seeing um some of their work online as well um if it's fan art of my game, please, please, <laughs> please do don't it. hesitate. <laughs> um, then, yeah, that you know, just seeing the youthful generation um, come up and make some really cool stuff and drive, um, you know, the interest in game development um, in younger people. Yeah. No, those those you've mentored that that. 100% makes sense as a, as a really validating thing. I mean, again, we mentioned before as a teacher, like seeing seeing your students or your pupils or those you've mentored uh, kind of come through and, and learn and develop and maybe explore something that you yourself have done is incredibly exciting. Uh, one of my ex-students has gotten, gotten into game development himself um, locally in Melbourne and and uh, he's he's still finding his way. And I mean, I certainly wasn't a mentor in the game development sense because I'm a little bit clueless in that space. But I really dived into the industry and I knew a lot about and knew quite a few people locally and was able to help steer him a little bit and some of the things that you were talking about to, to kind of get going. And so it's been great to now see him go off and 
and explore that and start meeting people and I get to you know I check in every now and then like how's things going what are you what are you working on don't worry I promise I won't leak it on the internet um all those sorts of things it's it's great to see so I'd imagine in the capacity that you're doing similar sort of things it would be really really exciting and really really validating yeah um we just got like um our first uh sort of sculpt of, of Maddie from um a suit um at RMIT and I was just like Oh my god! Just... <laughs> it kind of hit me as like <laughs> hit me like a, like a truck. <laughs> I'm influencing people. Um, it's a good feeling, right? It, it's a super good feeling because, like, I was that person who did uni, you know, just making um, fan art and just fostering that passion. Um, yeah, I, I think is extremely important, especially in in game development. Games can take years. Um, you can kind of. Um, kind of be easily distracted but if you have like that central passion that central like um reason why you're doing this um me um it's to make um something that's a little bit like um ocarina time um yeah just being able to see the stepping stones and work towards that um is um advice um that I would have for the generation along with networking of course oh of course the the social part of it's incredibly important uh last kind of curly question before we deal with social media and wrap things up uh if there was any game that's ever existed maybe it's ocarina of time who knows if there's any game that's ever existed that you could uh have the benefit of retroactively adding your name into the credits to so you could be responsible for any game that's ever existed not 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 necessarily the person at the very top we don't need you to suddenly become a ken levine creating bioshock or something like that for example um but any game, any capacity, it could even be special thanks. What would that game be? I'd say Guilty Gear. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I love the art style. I love like the innovations that they put in, um, in, in terms of um, um, 3D art. And yep. just, I, feel, I, I just want to, I'm still perplexed at how they do some of their techniques. <laughs> um, but yeah, just being the eternal student and kind of, um, trying to glean as much information about um, these things. Um, yeah, but it would be super cool to have. I know. Who, kn- who knows? Maybe one day you somehow find your way a part of it. Oh, yeah, I'm hoping. I'll have to learn Japanese, though. <laughs> uh, it's just, just one stepping stone, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, and if you could wipe your memory of any one game and just get to re-experience it from scratch, so as if you never, like, you know, usually probably your favourite game, but if there's one game you could just wipe your memory of and just re-experience it completely blank slate, what would that be? Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, let me think. Let me think. Never an easy question. Yeah, I would say probably. One of the <laughs> Professor Layton games, like one oh, of yeah? the first three games. Um, Just simply to be able to rediscover some of those puzzles and work your way through them again. Yeah, I I just love I just love the story and the art. No, wait, Bravely Default. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Another really good choice oh. and a stunning game too. I might add. Amazing. Most of, my, most of the games I love I hand, like from handheld combos, so I have them extremely well. Um, nope, it, some it's so nice. Great choices. Yeah. <laughs> and Bravely Default 2 is not that far away, so on the Switch <laughs> as well. So another one to look forward to. Yep. yep. Uh, so as we wrap things up, uh, Nock, thank you very much for coming on the show. If people are looking to catch up with you, see what you're up to, learn more about the team, the DLC, all those sorts of things, where would they be best to go? 
Um, so feel free to check out my Twitter. Um, it's N-G-O-C-T-M-V-U. Um, that's the same for my Instagram account as well. Otherwise, you can just uh, Google Nokvu Games and I'll probably be somewhere there. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. Uh, and obviously look forward to the DLC coming very, very soon. Uh, Necrobarista, if you haven't uh, picked up the game already, where can people get the game? Um, so you can get it on uh, Steam and GOG at the moment. Um, it's currently... Uh, well, uh, the Halloween sale ended, so um, it, it should be priced at $24.95 um, AUD. So yeah, feel free to check out the trailer. And it's still on uh, Apple Arcade as well, is that right? Oh, yes. Yes, that's right, yeah. I, 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 I swear I picked it up there. I know I've already been playing it on PC, but I'm, I swear I saw it slash picked it up on, on Apple Arcade as well. So you've got a few different options, uh, and it's definitely a game that's well worth experiencing, especially if you happen to be a Melbourneite as well, because there's just that little extra layer of enjoyment there for you. As I mentioned before, thank you very, very much for coming on the show and sharing your story and experiences. And I really look forward to to following that journey and seeing what comes next. Awesome. Uh, It was so great to talk to you, Paul. And listeners, as always, thank you very much for listening. I will see you next time. That concludes this entry of Dev Diary. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share with your friends, and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people you would like me to reach out to an interview, then please find me at Paul James Games on Twitter to help me get in touch with them. Until the next episode, however, that's been Knock Story. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time.